Hey gang, it's Jack speaking to you after we recorded the episode you're about to hear. I just wanted to let you know we recorded this before Nancy Pelosi had officially announced that the Democrats were launching impeachment procedures. Uh, nothing else really has changed. Uh, we basically believed that that was inevitable at the time, but we will be talking about something in the future tense uh, that we would have been speaking about in the past tense. And yeah, stay tuned tomorrow for more on this developing story. Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 101, Episode 3 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, yeah. a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say, officially, off the top, fuck Coke Industries and fuck off. Oh, fuck news. off. <laughs> I didn't think we'd make it to season 101. Uh, it's Wednesday, September 25th, 2019. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I co-founded Cracked and Aliens Are Real, courtesy of Trike Gang, and I'm wow. thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. I've got E.D., and Jack's a widow. What the hell are those veneers? I'm dreaming of Roy's hair. I'm dreaming of Roy's hair. That's Marco Royce, oh. footballer from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, ED and Jack's a weirdo. Veneers, yeah. a reference to Jamie Loftus's obsession with identifying celebrity veneers. That, a.k.a., comes from Nathan Miller at Micropolitans. Mm. Uh, yeah, thank you. And the Jack's a weirdo part, a unfair attack on my character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious and talented Tiff Stevenson. Hey. Welcome. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Oh, my voice didn't even come out then. Did you hear that? I went, yeah. Hey, hey. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't even have the enthusiasm to cheer myself on. <laughs> How British of me. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> have you been? Good. Yeah. I'm yeah. enjoying the sunshine. Yeah. Been in town about a week now. It's going to be my birthday while I'm out here. So oh, I'm looking forward to the surprise congrats. party you yeah. have planned. Yeah. Um, and your birthday was, remind me again. Uh, the 29th yeah, of the September. Yeah, the 29th of September. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly, exactly. So right. we will see you then, obviously. But Apparently, they were saying that if you're born on the 26th of September, that's because your parents boned on Boxing Day. Uh, do you call it Boxing Day here, the day after no, Christmas No, it's just day? Canada, I think, is the only North okay. American country mm. that recognizes Boxing Day. But this is the most, you have, like, in the region, the most common time to have a birthday right. among the human species. <laughs> well, I, I just had my birthday and, as well. Right, and it's because it's the mating season. Christmas is our mating season. Yeah, well, actually, I think I was, I was produced in festive gooch. Ah. Which is do you do you have the word gooch here? Uh, it means <laughs> something very different. It means the bit between the balls and the oh body. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> So like so festive gooch is the bit between like Christmas and New Year. Ah, oh, that's oh, what I call it. I call it whoa. festive Let's gooch. Take yeah. that. That's, yeah, take yeah. that. And America, it. download that one. Tucking that into my uh, <laughs> yeah. vocabulary. Holiday probably, taint. Yeah, holitaint. Holitaint. Yeah, that's better. I like holitaint. Celebrate the holitaints with your friends. That is kind of the best time too, where it's like, well, we're not taking the decorations down because yeah. it's still the spirit mm. and then you're looking forward to uh new year's or yeah. boxing day football matches yes me. boxing day football matches it's, is that a thing oh yes yeah yes yes well and also they cram so many matches into that christmas break too it's pretty amazing also some might say unfair because other leagues in europe do take breaks during christmas and that might lead to better champions league performance but i don't know okay i'm not a pundit <sighs> I just play one on a podcast. Just th throwing down some hot opinion there. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's, you know, I think most European footy fans would have agreed <laughs> that if, if the Premier League had a break, we'd do much better. In the, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Liverpool just won, so it's all moot. It is. Right, Jack? I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> We're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. I saw Tiff. some of your sports here, by the way. You saw some of my sports? Well, some of your country's sports. Right. I went to uh, a American Yankees football? game. Oh, oh nice. a Yankees, Yankees game. In, in New York? 
Yeah, it was really Fantastic. exciting when stuff happened. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, <laughs> Which very rare, but like there's five times. It was yeah. it was rained off for like a chunk of time. Oh, really? But I thought I would just shout out things that I know from UK sports during the game. I thought that would make me really popular, right. like score a goal, exactly, kick the ball, yes, yeah, the refs right. a wanker, exactly. that kind of thing. Right. Classics, exactly. She fell over. She <laughs> fell over. And you're like what? Yeah, I I am like what. Uh, <laughs> We're going to first tell our listeners a couple of things. Uh, it's it's great that our engineer is uh, incredibly high today. So this is this yeah. is fun. He's just little Dan laughing Dan. uproariously. You know why? At... It's because he's watching Doughboy's video clips. In oh, there. Is, that's what is he that does. What's going on? Yeah, everything he engineers, he's he makes it a point to watch Doughboy's clips to be yeah. like, I like this podcast. <laughs> Right, and so he can get a genuine reaction of enjoying a podcast right. while he's engineering ours. So we, so it looks like he's engaged. <laughs> he's and laughing, having fun. He's he's uh, taped an iPad in front of the monitor. And he's just he's like, oh yeah, this uh, is good stuff right here. You said it, Nick. Um, I mean Jack. Uh, <laughs> Mitch is. I mean Miles is a real hoot. <laughs> uh, well. We're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. Uh, Fox has had to apologize for uh, only one of their super caddy surface level takedowns of a 16-year-old child. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk about that, get a, get a listen to some of those sick burns on Greta. Uh, we're going to talk about Ukraine. We're going to talk a lot about Ukraine, actually, uh, today. We might need to start mentioning Ukraine up top when we're talking about that we're taking a deep dive into America and Ukraine's national shared consciousness. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about the whistleblower story, the fact that it might be heading toward impeachment town. Uh, we're going to talk about millennials killing the Amtrak dining car, Ugh. affirmative action uh, for rich white kids <laughs> is a thing. Uh, we're going to talk about Gucci's latest fuck up, just one in a long series. Uh, you hate to see it. Uh, hate to see I'm wearing one of the belts. Oh, oh I didn't, no. That was bad timing. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about Instagram. But first, Tiff, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are. I just looked up creme de la mer. Mm. Creme de la mer. Yes. Which is the skin cream? The skin cream. Because I was of a horse. <laughs> the sea. Jack. Of the sea. Oh, sea. Of the sea. Le mer. Cream of the sea. Oh, right. that sounds Yeah, yeah. weird. Cream of <laughs> the sea. Cream yeah. of the sea sounds cream like of someone a horse masturbating. Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That true. or like when uh when you're by the shore and like the the waves are like frothing. Yeah, that's yeah. in my mind. I think that would be cream of the sea. Yes. Anyway, yeah, the white that. in the white caps. I sure. I yeah. instantly went sexual and gross. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was just trying to think of what that would look like, and yeah, I prefer the foam. But yeah, <laughs> yeah it would yeah, equally the foam, be the yeah. Foam. The foam is better. Let's yeah. just go there. Sea cum. Yeah. Which is, I think, we described oysters as being like the sea ejaculating in your mouth. Oh, at did one we? Point. Yeah. Oh, maybe the briny yeah. taste of an oyster. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> so you're looking up creme de la mer. Okay. Side note, I do like to uh, pee in the sea when I'm in it just to mark my territory. There you yeah. go. I feel like other animals <laughs> should know. Yeah. Like, this is my yeah. bit. Uh, so I was looking it up because it popped into my mind. An ad popped up on my computer for it. I have used it. And then I had this kind of memory about a friend of mine, my friend Ash, about 10, 15 years ago. So I was looking up creme de la mer because I was looking up the current price. And I'm pretty sure... When we were first talking about it, it was about 150 pounds. And I said mm. to my friend Ash, this this cream is 150 pounds because it's got seaweed in it. And he went, go swimming in the sea, you cunts. Oh. was his response <laughs> nice. to, to people who spent 150 pounds yeah. on Grand Which is like, what, like around 190 almost yeah. of our US yeah, dollars. That's a, that's a lot. How how big is is it uh, like a swimming pool worth of the creme de la mer or how much how much are we talking? I don't know. It's like a little tub, oh, maybe wow. a couple of hundred mils. Wow! You're making a slider sized uh, hand yeah. Gesture. Oh yeah, that's hockey a good point. puck even. Realizing yeah. that people can't see what I'm doing, yeah, hockey puck. Yeah, hockey so bit, maybe puck. a bit deeper, deeper than yeah, deeper, yeah. 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 But it's a, and What's, I think it's more than a one fifty now. I think it's probably a couple of hundred. What is the secret of the sea exactly that makes it so indispensable? Um. I, it's the seaweed, I think, has like massive healing properties. I mean, I think originally the cream was actually developed by a Swiss doctor who was working on burns mm -hmm. and developed it to work on people's skin 
who'd had like Interesting. Oh, like, here we go. Enough of helping these poor How much is that saying it is now? 180? 180 USD. For, okay. how much, for what size? For a... For what looks like a chapstick. Yeah. A one ounce. One ounce? An ounce. 180 oh. an ounce. How does that compare to, to street value of cocaine? Uh, well, depends on where you get it. Right. Um, but I wouldn't know. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> um, do, do you, but for weed, that's uh, it's, it's more expensive than weed. Well, it depends on what state. Again, it's I mean, about is it what's gonna, legal. Is it gonna is it gonna help your skin though? Weed, no, no, no. It will help your appetite and it will help your mouth get very dry. Yeah, yeah. Those are about the things. Or and you'll have a panic attack about maybe you know something that's meaningless. Uh, but Do you guys no. moisturize? Uh, I started, uh, my partner, Her Majesty, began telling me I should really give a fuck about my skin more because I was relying on my black and Asian-ness to not have a routine aside from washing it. And she's like, you should use this. Use this after you wash. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Uh, so I'm uh, I'm not good at it, but I've, right. been, I've been told I should start thinking about it. Right. And I try to or try to remember to use. You look super young if that helps. So. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's, it's this damn... Biracial shit going on. <laughs> These damn perfect genetics. These damn parents yeah. of mine. Miles has incredible skin. Uh, one time, actually, uh, a fame, a celebrity makeup artist said I had great skin, and I used that to never moisturize my face again. Yeah. I held on to that to be like, I don't think I need to do anything. I feel like I had a small skin victory this morning because I actually washed my face before putting on moisturizer. Which I had been just putting moisturizer on and then without washing, washing your... my, without washing oh, my wow. face. My wife was like, "What are you doing?" And yeah, it I... did turn my face very greasy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, just the, on top of the morning. Yeah, the yeah, morning. yeah. Like just you're already nice secreting oils of... as you sleep. Yeah, I you you want when you like wipe your face on something for that thing to immediately become see through. Right. Exactly. Think, Do the see through test. Yeah. Um, I'm so pleased that I've got, I've come on and I've got guys talking about skincare. Yeah, this is like my dream. You no, have great skin, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, You've wonderful. Got great What's skin. your skin? How many? How many stages do you use for a white? <laughs> <laughs> for an Anglo. How, yeah. how, what do you say? What do I use? Yeah. How many um, stages of skincare are there? Oh, I like. I've. I've. I used to go to sleep in my makeup all the time. Because I liked uh, waking up looking fuck smudged, as I described <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, but um, but yes, um, poetry. I, I used to, I used to, but now as I've got a bit older, um, I've decided that I should be like, I'll just use a face wash or wipes to take it off at night. And yeah, I turned forty last year, so I've started throwing money at my face a bit more in terms of mm -hmm. expensive creams. Does that work? I don't know. It's more about it's more about the texture, I suppose, of yeah, the cream right. and stuff, and how makeup sits on top of it and stuff like that. Mm. But I just I never really used to use a separate eye cream, which you know I got shouted at. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, it's all skin, isn't it? Yeah. It's all yeah. on my face. Yeah, so exactly. That's where that's where I think I get hung up. I'm like, ain't it all the same thing? But right. It's like, oh no, skin around your eyes is yeah. very different. So I think SPF is probably the thing that I've been trying to do more. More than anything else, yeah. is protect it from the sun. From the sun, yeah. Because yeah. I think that's the big, uh, that's the big aging. Yeah. yeah. Step thing. one. And sorry, just going back to your friend's comment. Uh, so in the Queens, would cunt be between like asshole and bitch? <laughs> somebody calling you that? Because I think if I called my friend bitch, it would still even like be a little bit more offensive than that sounded. Than cunt. Yeah, then it sounded coming from her friend to her. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't to me calling me a cunt. It was just saying the people that buy it go okay. swim in the sea. You, you cunts. cunts. Oh, yeah, got yeah, it. It's okay. a plural, a plural yeah. cunt. Like go. stop being dicks. Yeah. Um, but also, it is much more cunt is much more of a term of endearment in the UK yeah. than it is here. I don't know whether we can keep these hard season. You might have to edit them no, out. Right. No, we do. You know, because it's a learning lesson yeah. for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is something you think is overrated? Oh, overrated. Oh, contrarianism. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Cheap, basic AF contrarianism. There you go. I took a swear out for you guys. Yes. Oh, thank oh, you so thank much. You. Um, that uh, means a you know, the Piers Morgans of the world, the um, the people who uh, are sort of uh, coming online, and you know, the Katie Hopkins, these kind of people that do. Such, you know, they see what the general opinion is and what the decent way to be a human is, and then they just come out against it right. for attention. Yeah. So these aren't thoughtful positions. They're just basic contrarianism. It's the kind of stuff that Piers Morgan does all the time. And it's also, we have a person called Julia Hartley Brewer in the UK 
who tweeted a picture of Greta Thunberg um, saying, I've just booked an amazing holiday for me and my family flights to the beach at Christmas. And guess what, Greta? I don't feel guilty about it at all. And mm. like, Maybe feel guilty about, you know, yeah. trolling an actual child, but whatever. I mean, you know. yeah, they're they're putting themselves on the permanent record, you know. The, yeah. the internet's written in ink, so they can they can go out there and be uh, talk a big game, but they're they're going down on the record as not giving a shit about uh, global warming. Yeah, well, and contrain, sure being contrained is just such a lazy way to enter a conversation yeah. or get the focus on yourself. It's like, okay, I'll say something that doesn't need to be said. Right. I'll say the worst thing I can think it. of rather right. than being nuanced. Yeah. Because nuance yeah. is difficult and a lot of people aren't capable of it. Yeah, right, So right. if you're not capable of nuance, then shut the fuck up. Yeah. And let some people who are. But the problem is there's too much of a reward, I think, now for this type of behavior. And I'm noticing it in comedy in the UK as well. Like, you know, just the more sort of alt-right contrarian you can be, the higher the prize, the more the reward. Right. Because they're like, we need both sides. And you're like, what, you need another side to being a decent human. Right, right, right. Because right. a lot of this isn't about sides. This right. is about questioning people's humanity. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's like, what's the counterpoint to being a kind person? Right. <laughs> we need more of that. What do you think is underrated? Aging. Aging. Oh, weirdly, as I've just talked about. From what Greece. standpoint? Well, I just, so um, I'm staying at my friend's and he has a roof pool and I was up there the other day and just uh, I just sort of packed up my stuff and I was leaving and in came a woman. It was so iconic. I would say she was like late 60s. Um, her body was incredible. The lips were, I'm going to say, you know, if I was to take a thing away, like a little bit overdone. Uh -huh. But she was in Too full swimming lips. costume, but she had like a, uh, a spritzer mm -hmm. in one hand, a wine spritzer. Hey. And she looked like she was dragging a case in. I was like, oh, she's here with a case. And then it was only as I went past her, I realized that she had her Yorkshire Terrier in the case. And I was like... <laughs> This is my. This uh, is goals for me. This right. is that one day I want to get to my late sixties, be at a roof pool right. with my white wine spritzer and my tiny dog in a like Yorkshire yeah. Terrier in a <laughs> rolling <laughs> suitcase. Yeah, yeah, that's just, pretty like great. A carrier. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, the dog I was hoping you were going to say the rolling thing was actually a cooler with more wine coolers <laughs> inside. Or she's like, no, 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 wine I'm not party. going anywhere. <laughs> wine yeah. party. I was, I was just like so iconic, and I think we often look at aging in such a negative way. Yeah, but actually, there's something to be said for like letting go of giving a shit about what other people think mm -hmm. of just kind of like living your best life and um yeah yeah i was just like that is iconic i want to be like that that's my you know my goals or dolly parton right who just seems to be there was like a picture of her up on a website the other day one of those awful like i want to say like the daily mail sidebar i don't know what the equivalent of it here would be well people we also check out the daily fail here yeah, for yeah. trash yeah. gossip yeah that's so where it was our like a... uh, ukraine adoption <laughs> story comes from so, <laughs> right yeah. so it was like that and then it had a website called cars and yachts it said underneath and it said click on this this picture of dolly parton without makeup will make you want to skip lunch and i was like no that won't make me want to skip lunch it'll make me want to buy lunch that i paid for myself right, you know, you which money i've made from working hard live my dream right. like dolly and yeah. my salad dressing will be the male tears right. of men who are upset that dolly has a bigger yacht and car than they do yeah. like well i think and also those especially those weird clickbait things that are always being served in the bottom of every website it's always just some a nonsense, salacious garbage yeah. that is never actually what it says it is. Right. Like, yeah. it'll, it may just be a photo where it was like her younger, like looking different. And they're like, <laughs> anyway, you clicked. Sorry, right. we got the ad. We got the click. Yeah. We got the. You had the temerity to age and right. keep living, Dolly. Right. Yeah. But I, to me, so that I was like, actually, I think she's better than she's ever been. She's like had this amazing career. Oh, and, and she's she resurgent. Yeah. She continues to do great stuff. Mm -hmm. And not give a shit what people think. That's why I just think aging. Yeah. And I think all underrated. parts of culture are starting to like kind of come around to her being a national treasure. Like just every like it's not just you know people from Tennessee anymore. I think everybody. Everyone. Well, yeah. I think everyone knows Dolly's. So. She's Dolly. She's the best. She's our Dolly. Um, and yeah, there have been psychological studies that say that people generally like get happier and happier as they age. Um, is that so. as they realize they let go of all the bullshit they thought was yeah, significant I mean, for their youth? You just learn, right? Like, because you're a learning organism, like as a human being, you get better at doing life, unless you know, unless you don't, in which case you might not make it long enough to uh, get happier and happier as you age. I think there's a point 
and I think that probably happens in your thirties. I think for me it was um, where uh, there's a change. Is it used to be when I was younger, I was obsessed with what everyone else thought about me, and yeah. now I just it's what do I think? Right. Right. Well, yeah, all that validation has to come internally first, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. if you seek it externally, and it's it'll be fleeting. Mm. And finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Uh, that cues are good. Cues. So, queuing. As so when you see a queue. Oh. Yeah. So this is like in, in America, if I see a queue for somewhere. A line. A, a line. line. Yeah. Yes. You call it a line, right? Yep. So if you see a line, you're like, that thing is good. That thing is great. Typically. That means that's happening. Yeah. That means there's, there's good times ahead. Right. Usually or something very hyped. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but if you see a queue in the UK or a line in the UK, it's normally because the service is bad. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that's the- <laughs> oh, the assumption is like, oh, they're upside down in that kitchen or something. Right. Yeah, it just means that they haven't got their shit together and now we're waiting ages. Because so if you see a queue, your first assumption is like, mm, uh, mm, mm. Yeah, I swerve it. I don't think, wow. oh, that looks so amazing. Right. So yeah. Popeye's strategy of just not having very many chicken sandwiches uh, would not have worked in the UK. <laughs> no. They would have just been like, well, that's stupid of you. Mm-hmm. When are those coming back, by the way? October? October, maybe. Like a few uh-huh. limited run of sandwiches Shit. until they can get their supply chain together. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back. And uh, Fox, speaking of people having uh, problematic takes when it comes to global warming and Greta Thunberg. Uh, the, so a right-wing podcast host came on uh, Fox News and called uh, her a mentally ill 16-year-old. And Fox was like, we apologize. We would never uh, say something rude about her. We would never say something rude about a white person. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I feel like what the real take was. Uh, meanwhile, we played you a clip on yesterday's episode. Uh, there was a dude on Fox and Friends who said she's a fearmonger who's giving children around the world anxiety disorders. Yeah. There is also uh, like one of the gemstones in their gauntlet. Uh, Laura Ingram called her creepy and compared her to children of the corn. So basically, like making fun of her manner of speaking because she's like all very, it's just all very like surface level, like catty shit. It doesn't even to be make making sense. fun of a child about. Um, but that's the, but those are like the, that's where we're at, right? They right. can't argue the facts that are in front of them that this is an issue. So it's like, well, we're going to lose that argument. Yeah. So let's just be, let's just be even more fucking fucked up and just be like, what about her though, huh? Yeah. It's the complete role reversal though, isn't it? She's behaving like an adult and they're all behaving right. Right. like absolute children. Yeah. yeah. Someone tweeted recently too, it was like, it's really interesting to see critics be like, look at this child like whining and stuff like that are the same people who are saying like Brett Kavanaugh's blowout during his confirmation was righteous indignation. Yeah, of course. And of it's course. like, what? I'm, really? Because this person wasn't even yeah. yelling. And That's what I'm going as for Halloween, by the way. I'm going dressed as a teenage girl who wants to save the world. There you go. Because <laughs> apparently go. that's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. yeah that is scary as fuck. Running my own haunted house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kill it. Destroy it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I I feel like, short, can these people go to bed at night and put their head on the pillow and feel okay about yeah. doing this? They can. Because yeah. I'm sure, like anything, right? It's like people who pivot to audience to audience because their bottom line is the affection or the attention. It's not about what's good right. or they're nourishing. In it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, they're in it yeah. for money, publicity, and that's it. That's yeah. why, because you've never, I've never seen people really show any kind of uh, any sort of virtue right. of any way. Yeah, and so they also assume everybody else is in it for that. They're like, oh, come on, like you aren't right. in it. Um, but yeah, it's funny to hear Fox News call anyone. A fearmonger, um, right? <laughs> when that is like their game, uh, it's it really is like the um, in people's history of the United States, they write about how the U.S. Uh, Department of Defense changed its name from War Department to Department of Defense right at the very moment that they started waging offensive wars. Like right. it was, it's basically like you say the opposite of what you're actually doing because you're trying, like, it's a good way of, if you're dealing with people who are this full of shit, just see what they're saying. And that can tell you 
exactly what they're actually doing. That's an incredible book, by the way. Can yeah. I just big up? Is yeah. it Zimmerman? Zimmerman? Zimmerman. Zin. Yeah, Zin. Zin. Oh, yes. Howard Zinn. Howard Zinn. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I call him Zimmerman for short. Yeah. The, the Zin Man. The Zin, Zin Man. Man. Headed yes. to Oz with I, the Zin Man. I'm, I now need to reread it, actually, because that's, I imagine it's pretty pertinent for the stuff that's yeah. happening yeah. at the moment. Well, George Carlin said that as well, didn't he? He had a great routine about how the meanings of words change, you know, how what eventually was like shell shock became PTSD, Mm -hmm. became these ways of sweetening right right words right. and meanings so that they lose the kind of impact of right, what right, you're right. when you're talking about war or when you're talking about devastation to right. say things like rather than go um you know oh we don't say third world anymore we say developing, developing nation yeah, right. Because, right. but then you know if you talk about poverty and and you use the hard p and you say poor that really forces people to think about Right. It, rather it's like, than oh, it's developing. The, it's developing. Like a Polaroid. Yeah. yeah. Right. It'll eventually, yeah. you'll see an image yeah, of a gonna... starving child. Yeah. Right. It's having a glow up. Right. Exactly. They're just in the middle of a glow <laughs> up. Glow up. <laughs> you know, it's a little awkward right now, but right. eventually they'll glow up to yeah. second world. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it, the, yeah the, a lot of those things do mitigate sort of the impact of yeah. what and they intended. In fact, third world country started as just a way of describing any country that was not either like part of the U.S., sort of system of influence or the USSR. Like USSR was second world, we were first world, and then any any country- Bonus that, countries yeah, you can influence. Any country that could still be influenced was still up for grabs, was considered third world, and then it eventually became like a way of describing uh, developing nations. All right, let's talk about the scandal with Trump, the whistleblower, It'll never the Ukraine. End. It'll never end. It always gets, I mean, there was nothing new so far. I mean, because (laughs) amazingly, Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump have admitted to everything. They just keep admitting. They They, just keep saying that they did. Yeah, he admitted he called the the president of Ukraine. He admitted that it was about Joe Biden. He admitted that he was withholding the military aid. Yeah. So there's no mystery here aside from what the actual whistleblower complaint says. Right. Um, And again, when you look at just sort of the timeline of events, it's clear that anyone who was in Trump's orbit knew there was a whistleblower complaint around early September. Right. And I think, again, there are many people online who are sort of thinking, well, based on everything you're seeing, right, because the funds were being withheld even before that phone call took place. And there was a bipartisan group of senator or Congress people who were like, what's going on with this money that we allocated as Congress to aid? Like, what's going on with that? Mick Mulvaney said it was uh, the funds had to be frozen over concerns, quote unquote, that the Uh president had, uh but could not elaborate. So that was already stinking like shit. And then you have Rudy Giuliani constantly going up like, I'm going to Ukraine. You know, Biden's doing this thing. Trump isn't doing stuff with Ukraine. So it's been, I think, probably known for the very like for the all the sycophants that are Trump's main defenders in the Senate and the House that this was coming, which is probably why on September 11th, they finally released the funds. Um, and then a week later, then we start hearing that there's a whistleblower complaint. Mm. So it's it's is really that timed with September 11th in the hope that no one would notice with all of the other <laughs> September 11th. No, I think it just happened. Stuff. It just happened to be the okay. date where they, they they attached it to a different spending bill. So it had to get. Uh, right. So the money had to move. Um, and I think that was mostly because I think if the Republicans in the Senate and House are sort of like, if it comes out that the money is still being withheld and right. there's a whistleblower complaint, yeah. it's completely fucked. It's like, if we're going to do anything, maybe this is our only shot. But now you still have people like John Cornyn saying like, huh, what? You, what'd you say? Tramp and a new crane? I don't know. I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard anything about this. Right. Like, or saying it's rumors. That's just all bullshit. And it's just, it's really starting to stink because now you're, I'm sure there are many, like everything, there's always people involved in the cover-up, but like the number of people who are probably in the Senate Intelligence Committee or House Intelligence Committee on the right must have known something. Right. And it's just starting to look darker and darker. And the cover-up is starting to, you know, fizzle out a bit. Yeah. So, I The mean, foundation is slipping. A bit, yeah. I mean, at least with this, right? Because this is different. You know, with the Mueller report, it was easy to, you know, spin all this shit about it and be like, ah, oh, to steal. The-. There were too many things they could use to distract people. This is so different. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he wasn't president during the Mueller, like the events that were being during investigated the campaign, by right. Mueller. Uh, and now this is directly about somebody using the power of the presidency uh, for their own corrupt political gain. Um, and yeah, it's also just, it's being investigated right after it happened. Uh, it's very, it's like, whereas with the Mueller report, and, you know, the Mueller investigation, there were, you know, thousands and I think they like turned over millions of pages of documents. Mm-hmm. Like there was just so much stuff. This is just a very clear cut, uh, you know, this is him doing what we've always known he was doing, what other people might have suspected he was doing, uh, just in a very like focused, clear way. Yeah. Well, I think now that uh, we have more moderates moving into the impeachment column. Yeah. It seems like now Nancy Pelosi can finally do something. Yeah, it seems like they're moving in the impeachment direction, the direction of at least uh, starting the process of impeachment. Yesterday morning, uh, if you checked Drudge, they had the spinning siren, which he usually reserves for huge news stories, uh, (laughs) and it said impeachment. So it seems like... He at least thinks the signs are pointing in that direction. And there was a meeting yesterday with Pelosi and who was it? The entire Democratic caucus. The entire Democratic caucus. Just to be like, all right, what's the game plan here? And we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not sure what has happened. We don't know what has come out of that meeting yet. Um, I'm sure people do by now. But I think the, the one thing to look at, though, is like there's some, you know, many people were wondering why Nancy Pelosi was waiting for so long. Was it one theory was like, she's just trying to slow cook Trump out of office. Right. Um, Other people was like, you know, maybe it's a tip O'Neill type deal where he, he knew from the beginning, he's like, this is going to lead to impeachment, but we'll just let everything fall apart. And then people will be more compelled to do this, which I think maybe is what's going on. Or maybe she was just so shook at the idea that a botched impeachment attempt would lead to losing the majority in the house. And a lot of these freshman Congress people who just flipped districts would just be ousted. Right. Um, but now many things have changed. Again, there's no mystery around this scandal. Everyone is admitting basically to what had happened. And the, the seven freshmen, uh, there are seven freshmen from swing districts, which are the ones that were primarily Republican districts that went blue. Seven of them who have national security clearances penned an op-ed that were like, these are impeachable offenses. Yeah. And that's that's what's different because the people Nancy Pelosi was worried about, Those, a lot of these freshmen yeah. are out here now saying, no, this is bullshit. This is right. impeachable. This is the these are the people she was supposedly like holding back because of. Right? right. And I think now, though, too, because these are the people with national security clearances, maybe they feel that this specific event is so clear that it'll be very easy for them for to them explain to, right. even to their constituents who are like, you're just some Pelosi fucking pro- right. whatever. It's like, no, right. I was in the fucking Navy. Yeah. I understand national security. I took a fucking oath to right. protect the country from enemies foreign and domestic. I'm saying what this ha- what happened here is unacceptable. Like having a president blackmail another world leader for their own partisan gain is an absolute abuse of power, no matter how you cut it. Yeah. Do you feel like this is the thing that will tip it over though? Because I feel like... You keep thinking it will happen and you're like, surely this is impeachable. And then nothing. He's like Teflon. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we it seems like the House can get the votes eventually to to move impeachment proceedings forward. It's the when it goes to the Senate and becomes a trial is where it gets a little sketchy because the numbers aren't there. Unless Republican. Yeah. Unless they find their spine. But again, I think part of this process, too, will be to get as much of this information out and make that position of defending the president untenable. But I don't know if that's that Watergate moment, I guess, where Republicans say that they can't in all good consciousness. Right. Side with. Yeah. Yeah. You need that moment that they had with Nixon. Yeah. Whether right. it's in terms of careerism or whether it's in terms yeah. of consciousness. And timing th- is interesting because like by the time if it does get to the Senate, like that'll be like with too little time for them to put a different candidate up, won't it? Like yeah. I mean, when would what would be the absolute last drop dead date for them to like start thinking about, okay, maybe we run uh, you know, who, what's the oh like if he's impeached so Pence. Mike Pence. Pence. if it's like bending in that direction as the election's approaching like 
what what would their political calculations be like? I'm not sure what the mechanics would be of like. Is it un- unprecedented? 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 I'm sure somewhere <laughs> yeah. in history there's been shit like this, but I, that I can't I can't really recall. Well, I but. mean, Nixon was a lame duck. Like he was in his second term when all this shit went down. Right. And, right. He, had, and he had won in a landslide, like, unprecedented landslide. So it was like they they really had to. Uh, bring some evidence to to get people I think, on board. I think the problem is right. The the Republicans have embraced Trump to the point where they have already been poisoned yeah. by his radioactivity. Yeah, and to then turn against him, like because already the Republicans are facing an existential threat, like as a party. Yeah, where younger people are more and more not convinced that conservative politics right. aligns with their own values. So they're having trouble bringing in new people to then be like, oh, yeah, this guy was a massive fuck up would be like, what happened? Like, where was your leadership? Then? Right. Like, yeah. So I don't know why I'm even asking the question of like, like there, there's no way the Republicans are going to like abandon Trump. But again, I guess that's yeah. the thing. Maybe they could have a come to Jesus moment. And if if they want to move forward, you would have to say something like we were completely right. We fucked up. Yeah. yeah. We fucked up. This is actually wrong. I'm sorry. Now we're saying something, and I'm sorry. All this shit happened. We really fucked up. Yeah. And then they'll probably all get voted out for admit. I don't know. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's not an enviable position, which is why so many people are just fucking off out the back door right. and not right. not running again. They're just like retiring. Yeah. It does seem like it would be catastrophic for the Republican Party, at least. I mean, it seems like this whole Trump, the rise of Trump, has been catastrophic for them, but. Um, you know, I also don't think that he's going to go without a fight. I don't think it'll be so easy that they just get Republicans on board. Uh, one thing that does seem to be developing is that Biden's take on all of this, since he is at the center of Trump's reason for uh, abusing his power, uh, is kind of interesting because he's like taking this as his opportunity to like take center stage and. He's like, well, the reason they're mad is because they know I'll beat them like a drum. Right, like, what? Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> so I do think if he does become the nominee, there will then be this like both sidesism where they'll be like, it'll just be the Republicans will have to make a case that there was some something that needed to be investigated about yeah. Hunter Biden's position on the that gas company, right? Which it's shady as fuck. I mean, it's oh, absolutely. I yeah. mean, it smacks of the kind of thing that like children of geopolitical players like right. can just fall ass backwards into. It's like, right. oh, you're on the board of Ukraine. Okay, interesting, because yeah. you're so into gas. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> only thing he had experience with was you know getting fucked up and you know trying right. to get sober. So there was he had no experience with. Did have gas. experience with gas, but just not that gas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. the, that. <laughs> That loud, huh? That loud, that gasolina, uh-huh. as they say. I mean, even when the sort of rumors about this sort of scandal came out like months ago, I was like, yeah, figure that out, because I would love to find a reason to disqualify Joe Biden from running. Like, right. just objectively <laughs> right. be like, yeah, this guy's self-dealing with his kids. I mean, so is the president. That's the problem, though. If they go head to head, it's going to completely obscure yeah. what this election's about. It's going to be like, which fucking asshole do you like better right. or worse? Because right. they're both going to be like, well, you did that. Well, you did that. Versus right. getting some other candidates like a Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, who's not going to be, they're not, there's not going to be yeah. this whole like, well, they're in bed with the fucking whoever the fucks. Yeah. Those criticisms, you can sort of, or at least if you're a hyper partisan Republican, you're going to be like, yeah, man, well, that Ukraine deal like is going to be the same yeah. shit like the Uranium One thing with fucking Hillary Clinton. Right, exactly. Well, to be clear, like Uranium One, there is like people no who have there. actually investigated this say that like Biden did nothing improper. Like his son it was probably uh, taking advantage of his father's uh, position in office. But when Biden like had this guy fired, it was like after that would have been a relevant move, right? And yeah. like relevant to his the sons. timeline just doesn't add up. Yeah. Like the this the case was dropped before Biden even said anything publicly about this prosecutor. So you right. can't say that that was there's no cause and effect there. Right. But it's, hey, it's difficult, isn't it? Because during the debates and stuff, people have been talking about the uh, candidates holding back on each other. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of see why that's necessary because otherwise it's always exploited by the Republicans. Yeah, but they're um, going to exploit well, it one way or another. Yeah, either yeah. way. Yeah. And I think, but yeah, slowly the debates are going to start moving in that direction as Bernie is going to need to, you know, 
everyone's confusing him and Elizabeth Warren for their policies being the same, right. even though there are huge differences. I mean, Bernie today was just sort of like, I think billionaires shouldn't exist. So right. I'm about to take a big ass bite out of that fucking account if right. I'm president. Okay, yeah. I, I fuck with that. Uh, but, you know, I think so. There's that brewing. Then there's Biden, who's probably going to have to start punching around, depend, you know, because Elizabeth Warren is now in a st- statistical tie with him in, in the Iowa uh, voting polls. So, yeah, I th- I'm not sure when it's maybe the next debate. We'll see a little bit of handbags. Yeah. As it were. Yeah. But. The we'll one see. thing that's clear is if it is if Biden does end up being the nominee, the Republican Party and Trump will be uh, beating that story like a drum. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about how the millennials killed the Amtrak dining car. Yeah, so time for uh, my generation to sea walk all over another grave. Yeah, we've done it, millennials. Hell yeah! This time we killed the Amtrak dining car. No. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the Amtrak dining car, like it was most of the country. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, our parents know. Right. Our Is grandparents because they weren't serving avocado. Because <laughs> no, I know right. you guys are like. <laughs> Yeah, the where's the avocado? <laughs> Burn the fucking thing down. Uh, they, you know, uh, who would have thought that uh, the most broke generation might not be into the white tablecloth service of an Amtrak dining car when you're on a train? Um, but again, the what's interesting about this is that the whole millennial angle came from the person at Amtrak who was indirectly in charge for the health of, of this it. car. Right. right. So. Uh, this guy named Peter Willender said, some people really like the dining car and viewed it as sort of a nostalgic train experience. Pivot to some people, especially our new millennial customers, don't like it so much. They want more privacy. They don't want to feel uncomfortable sitting next to people. Uh-huh. Okay, that's that's through all of your analysis. That's what it was. Yeah. So will people not be able to buy food on? Oh trains? come on! This is America, baby. They're gonna sell you okay. whatever the fuck they can. Got what they're doing. What's funny is the move that they're doing is actually saving the company money. Right. Uh, because what they'll do is basically make it like a pre-order system, right. where before you get on the train, you say, "I would like microwaved to hell pasta." Right. And then you can pick it up and eat it. Uh, shamefully at your seat. Yeah, so is this like a first class dining thing in the Amtrak? No, no like anyone no, can you, you no. can access it. Oh, okay. Yeah, if, no matter like, where you are. What if there was a part of the plane where you could get your plane food and like sit with other plane passengers? But right. it's like that level of like uh, culinary excellence right. is plain food. It's plain food, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's you not can good. Eat this food miserably on your own in yes. your. Car yeah. or your room, or feel like or you're you in could the... with strangers. Yeah, right. like Orient Express yeah. nostalgia. Because if it was like an upgrade, it would be different. Because we have that on the we have the um, I get on the the night train, the overnight trains. God, what are they called? Why can't I think of the name of them? To Scotland and back. It used to be the, the GNER, the sleeper trains. Ah, get sleeper. the sleeper trains. Yeah. So you get like a little berth to yourself. But then there's also a dining car that you can go out into, and you can have whiskey, and it's got a bar, and you can have yeah. And so people are a bit more sociable in that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. the same. It's yeah. the same kind of thing, but but it is. Is there a bar in the Amtrak? Uh, well, you can buy like little bottles of liquor there. Oh, uh, I've definitely gotten drunk get... in my share of uh, <laughs> dining cars. Feeling like a giant yeah. with your tiny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, whoa, whoa, what's happening oh, to me? <laughs> Five. It's like, no, sir, you've had your ninth little whiskey bottle. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, but, so it's a similar thing then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same yeah. Deal. But I think, you know, I don't know. I like the idea of the dining car, but I think ultimately when you're on a train, it's like, I'll just sit here. I'm so used to like plane travel or something else where right. like everything's done at my seat. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, RIP. I mean, instead of having drinks with people, they're having drinks and going on Tinder. Yeah, exactly. They're, uh, watching their TV shows on Tinder streams. Watching the TikToks. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, and uh, let's talk about affirmative action, uh, but for rich white kids. Mm-hmm. We mentioned this a little bit in the past that, uh, you know, college sports, we think of, you know, college basketball, college football, because those are watchable, um, but there's all these other, like most college sports uh, at any given college uh, are Sports like, you know, lacrosse and rowing and mm-hmm. other things that, uh, <laughs> that you have to have a lot of money to do, right, to right, play. Right. 
And so uh, it ends up being a uh, somebody described it as affirmative action for rich white kids. Oh, by playing one of these like non big three type sports. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. And uh, it's also like not super competitive. It's just like you go to a prep school like in the Northeast where this sport is actually played. Sick at the regatta, dude. Squash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sailing and squash were like easy ways that people. There's use. collegiate squash. Yeah. I, believe. I love squash. Yes. I do love a game of squash. Yeah. Um, it's basically like racquetball with a deader ball, I believe. Is. You mean less bounce, less yeah, re- less reactive? Bounce. It's like deader. It's yeah. like a pop deader racquetball. We don't really do racquetball term. in the UK, but we do squash. Do you? Yeah, makes sense. But there's yeah. lots of you know posh, yeah. fancy schools there, so that I didn't know that's where it came from. I feel like I'm really subverting it, being a working class state school <laughs> girl playing squash. Yeah, hell yeah, that's like the number one street sport in the UK is squash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah. You go to any council housing, you'll see it. Yeah. yeah, just wild squash games happening. <laughs> you can hang out on my block, but you got to play me for it. Whoa, and it's, uh, <laughs> game of squash. Anyways. So because uh, Harvard was sued over their admissions policies, we got a peek into their numbers, and it's pretty shocking. Yeah, a lot of the data came out as evidence uh, because this woman said the admissions process was unfairly discriminating against Asian applicants. That's right. And so Harvard, they're like, okay, well, we need to see the data so we can begin to kind of assess this. The data became public, but unrelated to that, these researchers started combing through the data and uh, wow, there's a, I mean, I don't know if you'll believe this about Harvard University, but I just, from what they found from 2009 until 2014, they found that 43% of the Caucasian applicants accepted at Harvard were either athletes, legacies, meaning their parents had gone there, or children of donors and faculty. Right. Only about a quarter of those students would have been accepted to the school without those admission advantages. Yeah. So. <laughs> Is that legal? Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I know there's been this whole, obviously there's been this whole admission scandal right. sort of thing. The pro- Yeah, so what those people did was pay somebody directly- To change the scores. To change the scores or to- Bribe people. Bribe people to pretend like there was a tiny bit of artifice, whereas this is just- how America works. Yeah, this it's is just, just like the networking. Right. Yeah, it's, where it's like their yeah. grandparents paid somebody a long time ago. I mean, that's too. the same as, you know, yeah. that's why um, before we started the podcast, I was sort of saying in the UK, if you fail, if you're a posh white man and you fail, you just fail upwards relentlessly fail up. until you're prime minister. Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's so, right. Yeah. So, so that's the same there. I mean, if you like Eton has that and, yeah. you know, George W. Bush was kicked out of the White House for being too drunk one time. And like that, that is something that would be life defining for most people. Uh, For him, it was like a bump in the road that let him know it was time to turn it around and, uh, you know, become president. Yeah. When you look at sort of the mix, too, like at first I was like, well, surely this doesn't just apply to the Caucasian students. This like being a legacy or faculty (laughs) or donor, right? Like that should be everyone if you're giving money or legacy. Okay, well, so if you break it down again into like four racial categories, 27% of white students were likely to be legacies, only 5.8% for black students, 9.5% for Hispanic, and 11.0% for Asian students. Mm. So at best, it's over twice as much as the closest. Right. So, so that's almost, families, families who went to yeah, Harvard. Yeah. Right. right. Or, or, but they also include like uh, the dean's interest list or, fac- or people who are children of faculty. Yeah. There's right. like all sorts of ways they find to let people in who they're essentially doing a favor for like their parents or something. There's uh, one thing that you can do where like a student can apply, but then take a year off. So they become like part of the next year's class. I think we uh, talked about um, and it's just, I don't know. I don't, for whatever reason that makes it easier for you to get in. But I know kids who did that to specifically go to Harvard. Huh. Um, so because, you're super talented. How many scholarships are there now for like, are they that are not sports based? Say you're super, super clever and you come from projects or social housing or like, and you scored off the charts on your SATs. That's what you call them here, right? Uh-huh. What are the chances of you then getting into somewhere like Harvard 
I mean, if your scores are good, there's definitely a chance. I think at that point, it's then about how you come up with the money for tuition. Right. And some people might get an academic scholarship. They might get it from outside groups that they can apply to to get a lot of their tuition paid for. But it's not, I mean, it's hard to, I would, it'd be hard to say that Harvard's admission, admissions process is meritocratic in any way. Right. It really seems like this puts a lie to the idea that they're having to bend over backwards to let in, you know, people who are from a different class or people who are, you know, not who are from disadvantaged backgrounds. It seems more like they're bending over backwards to let in the children of people who they know. Right. Average white, average yeah. white. Yeah. Dudes, yeah. Average normally. white dudes. Like all those <laughs> average, like a third, essentially what this means is a third of Harvard's Caucasian students don't deserve to be there. And so in place of that third, uh, you put like people who, despite like, you know, having gone to, uh, you know, not prep schools, they, they went to public schools, God forbid, uh, you know, they get into Harvard instead of that third. Like right. we have a better country in general. I was going to say, isn't that better for everyone? Yeah. You're putting the, the bright sparks and the brains and the the the, the smart people, right. the talented people in here. And more yeah. diverse mix of people from different social backgrounds. Right. You know? yeah. And I think that's the thing, because they do point out that even if you took away all those advantages for those certain things like legacy students, faculty, kids of faculty or whatever, it's not going to, it wouldn't change the amount of uh, Caucasian students that were admitted but it would create a much more economically diverse class. Right, right. And I think that's the thing is like you go to Harvard and if you go to Harvard business school, like you're just in like predatory capitalism shark school. Right. Uh, exactly. And you're not, and you're meeting other people who are like being like, yeah, man, we're just going to fucking make a ton of money and right. whatever. Yeah. You're joining a club that it has access to insane amounts of power. And I mean, uh, in addition for to it just being easier because they're, friends with the parents of these kids it's hard not to think that there's some design some overall design to this that like you don't let the poor kids in because the poor kids then might like have a lot of power and start giving money back to other poor people mm -hmm. instead of you Changing know playing the dynamic, by the rules yeah the social dynamics and yeah. the the hierarchical structures yeah. that exist. I mean, it's wild to me that there is an interview portion of the like admissions process where they're like, okay, but what is their like socialization like? Do they know how to act? Right. Like when, you know? It's like, more just like, well, they're polished and know how to do a given right. interview. You have test scores, you have your application like essays, you have your grades, and then you have an interview where previous graduates sit down and like look you over and decide how they feel about you. Right. What like, you're wearing, how you sit. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, the question should be like, you're in a life raft and right. there are two people in the water. Right. One is an elderly billionaire right. who's lived a full life. He's 97 years old and he says he promises to make you wealthy beyond your wildest dreams if you just pull him into the boat. There's only room for one person. The other person is a disadvantaged uh, asylum seeker from a country where they're, they're fleeing persecution. Who do you pull into the boat? What do you do? Um, the billionaire. Okay, great. Welcome to Harvard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got it. Uh, let's talk about Gucci. What's um, Gucci? Gucci. What's Gucci, man? What's Gucci, my dude? Uh, I'm wearing a Gucci belt. This is upsetting. Uh, I wear it on stage because um, it's the double Gs I want people looking at. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I have big boobs. Let's just, double that's amazing. <laughs> also, if I mention it on stage, it is tax deductible. So there you go. I go like being able to, to do that or on this podcast, I'm sure it's. But have they gone and got themselves into. They just seem to be. Uh, who, whose line is it? Uh, oh. Charlie Mur as Charlie Murphy puts it, perpetual line steppers. They yeah. they just really like to piss people off and then apologize, then piss people off, then apologize. So at Milan's Fashion Week, it ended with a big show from Gucci that opened with uh, a bunch of models on a like one of those moving walkways, and they were all in like white, basically like. It looked like straight jackets, like what you would see people wearing in a uh, mental health institution. And one of the models happened to have some experience with this and be a an artist with 
some backbone, a model by the name of Ayesha Tan Jones, they wrote a message on their hands reading, mental health is not a fashion, and rode the moving walkway out with that showing to the cameras and to the audience. So they were. it was basically a protest in the in middle, the middle of the show, of the right. show which, which was a bad yeah. look for Gucci. Well, then even weird, too, because like that was just part of like the intro to throw the audience off. Right. Because they're like, what is with all this like monotone shit? Like, this is not a Gucci show. And then the lights changed and then they right. fucking did the real fashion show yeah. as like a, some really odd commentary. What, yeah. what is it about like fucking society or something? Well, yeah. Shit? I, their idea was that this was meant to contrast their actual like fall line because that had color. So this was the man trying to hold you down, uh, the like straight jackets and then you know, the their actual fall line was, oh, right. like, bringing color to the landscape. Because it was, the straitjackets were meant to represent, each, according to Gucci in a statement, said, the most extreme version of a uniform dictated by society. Mm-hmm. So uh, that Gucci has apologized and said, we're, we were sorry about this. Do they still use straitjackets, by the way? I feel like they were more like of an asylum Victorian kind of... yeah. I feel like it's more branding. It's more yeah. like of an icon of, uh, you know, mental health, the mental health apparatus than it is uh, something that's actually used anymore. But I actually don't know. Uh. I'd imagine. I mean, I, I'd imagine they would. There would be some form of restraint in a like for, in a facility like that. But yeah, I, again, I think this was more to just say like, this is why Gucci's fucking tight, right? Okay. Right. While they're while society's trying to restrict you. We're trying to do like we're trying to free you problematic fashion. <laughs> we're trying to free you, and it'll cost you three thousand dollars. Right, right. For this red jacket, we'll yeah. sell an eleven hundred dollar turban to I, you. I like it when fashion just puts out like nice looking stuff without trying to do a met. Politics and fashion do not mix. Mm. Stop trying to do. It always ends badly. It's like the Black Lives Matter T shirts that were like. They're made by like in a sweatshop, wasn't it? Someone like Target or something. You're like, oh, these wow. things don't. Yeah, well, I think yeah. What we've also seen, like even last week, I think there was that stupid design company fashion line that was doing like uh, school shooting hoodies. Yeah, oh, God. that was right. just the name of high schools and yeah. schools that had been, you know, had uh, had mass shootings occur, and they were like, yeah, it has bullet holes in it because it's like, you know. We're trying to like start Society, a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Stop trying to affect wokeness when actually right. you're just trying to chill product. Yeah, exactly. Like, and no one has a put, like, I just don't think the two things, I don't know, it's like pride cups from coffee shops that do zero hour contracts, right? Right. It's right. like all of that kind of thing. It's like corporations trying to be like, look how we are. Yeah. And, It'd and be better if you just put the clothes out that you want to sell for autumn and go, ah, oh, it's colors. You're Aren't right. they pretty? Does that right. make sense? Yeah. yeah. Rather than trying to say, totally. And with this, it was just like a dumb, it was like a stupid idea to try and like, it wasn't even, the clothes weren't even the problem here. It was like this weird message they were trying to set up that they completely fucked up and just came off completely wrong and offended the models that were like working the show. Yeah. And apparently they were even talking amongst themselves like, is this, are we good with this? this well, Lagerfeld right. did it. Lager, Karl Lagerfeld did it at... I forgot about this, when he was at Chanel and was celebrated like he was the most amazing person when he died. And you're like, Karl Lagerfeld was pretty much a piece of shit. Yeah, he said a lot of fucked um, up shit, yeah. But he had models go down the rum runway wearing suffragette sashes and like feminism and placards. And I was like, you're the person who said Adele was too fat for fashion. <laughs> like you cannot cool. now say, I'm a feminist. Yeah, right, you right, know? right. Like... It just, it, it's it's such bullshit hypocrisy. Just do the bit that you're meant to do, which is de design the clothes and then the people who've got the money can pay for them. Be ethical with how you make them right. and then shut up. Like, yeah. shut up. <laughs> just hmm. stop. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or do you think brands need to have this? I No, I mean, I think if it makes sense for you to be maybe on a certain side of a political issue, like Nike might or whatever, I understand yeah. that. But they're not, they're not like, I don't know, the... To try and profit off of like, you know, we've talked about the, like during Pride, we were talking specifically about a lot of people like even campaign candidates selling this Pride stuff 
when uh, they voted against it. Yeah, or that they just, or that none of the money was actually going to an organization. It was just Pride merch to put in their own coffers for their campaigns. And right. it's sort of like, well, what, what is this? I mean, yeah, I don't think, especially like luxury fashion brands, already we're dealing with something that I, I don't know where their place is in the social justice movement. Yes. Um. So... Yeah, I think it's good for uh, Alessandro Michele or whatever, who's the creative designer, right. uh, to fucking to do some uh, to get his name to wake the fuck up right. more in the sense of like think about what you're even doing. Like I know you think it's edgy, but because you're completely removed from like the nuance and like what these garments are communicating to other people, yeah, that you've completely you've done actually the opposite of what you even wanted to do. Yeah, and I said that. Alessandro Michele had, uh, or however you pronounce it, uh, had apologized. That isn't true. They haven't apologized yet. But this isn't the first time that Gucci has gotten in some controversial water. Back in February, they made a $1,000 sweater uh, that when you pulled the uh, turtleneck up Mm. had a blackface mouth on it. It was like a black sweater with like big red lips around a hole for your mouth. I mean, what he did say was it was never intended to be racist. Right. Okay. And in a letter to employees after the sweater fiasco, McKelly said he was truly committed to in facing what happened as a crucial learning moment for everybody. But literally just a couple months later, they had a, what was essentially a turban uh, on like a white model during one of their fashion shows that also cost around $1,000. Oh, on a male model. Yeah, Yeah, on a male model. Right, yeah, so definitely a Sikh. Yeah. Yeah, That's a Sikh Sikh turban. Yeah, a Sikh turban. Not like, because, you know, women went through a phase of, what you know, like slightly smaller. Sure. When you think of the Hollywood phase of like, you know, that is like a, that is a very specific... That's yeah. a Sikh turban. Right, and yes. they were even coming out being like, um, it may be fashion, but it's also a sacred religious garment. Right. <laughs> and McKelly, again, apologized, saying, we will learn a lesson, and this company will do things in a different way uh, and cut to this year's uh, fashion week and this straight jacket thing. So hey. really, this guy just seems kind of like an insincere dick. Yeah, or just someone who thinks because he's doing fashion, it's like, well, you can't look at it with these other, you know, like I look at it through a different lens because I'm I'm presenting something different. I think that's always like the the mentality of like why they can even allow themselves to enter that world of thinking. Or he could just be straight up racist and he thinks it's just funny. But right. I think the other thing too is sometimes artists want to take themselves too seriously and be like, this isn't about that. Okay, you're right. missing the point if you're just looking at this merely as a turban. Right. Okay. It's something forward thinking. Yes. But, you know, gooch on. Gooch on. Uh, well, Tiff, it's been a pleasure having you once again on the Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, where can people find you, see you, follow you? Um, you can see me. I've done my shows. I'm out here now. I was doing so. I might be doing one more at the Lyric Hyperion. Uh, in November so if you if you're around in LA come catch that otherwise on Twitter at Tiff Stevenson Instagram Tiff Stevenson comic and my website tiffstevenson.co.uk and on Hulu at the moment in Game Face the second series is out so catch me in that and is there a tweet you've been enjoying oh yes hold on let me just go through my phone to find, um, actually, it was about this when you were talking about admissions in Harvard and stuff. Uh, a friend of mine, who's a comedian in the UK, um, Katie Mulgrew, uh, did a tweet to say, uh, lads, if we close private schools, where will we find all the comedians and actors? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we are in a bit of a phase where, uh, you know, it's seemingly impossible to break into p- performance and, and any of that kind of stuff as a working class person. What you call blue collar here, I guess. Is mm-hmm. that the same? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I enjoyed that tweet. Um, yeah. Miles, where can people find you? Follow you. Find me. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Some tweets I like. First is from Tignataro's account, but as we all know, other comedians uh, run Tignataro's account every day usually. Uh, so the tweet is actually from uh, comedian Mary Devon, 
but it's from the Tignatar account, and it goes like this. It says, working at a preschool is like being a judge on America's Got Talent, except everyone gets the highest score possible, and their talent is like, look how slow I can walk. <laughs> um, another one from Kelsey Cook, at Kelsey Cook. Billie Eilish is like if Fiona Apple fucked a haunted house. <laughs> uh, and one more from, let's do it, from Jamie Loftus. It says, cast me in something before my gums fall off of my skull because the Groupon dentist sneezed on my head, and I refuse to go back. Oh my God. <laughs> That's right. The Groupon dentist sneezeth directly on her skull. That's not okay. <laughs> uh, Conan O'Brien tweeted, I'm the Michael Jordan of lazy sports analogies. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what's that going to be today? Uh, this is a track from Slum Village. Great, great group. It's called Reunion. And, okay, most, a lot of the early Slum Villa stuff was produced by Jay Dilla, but this one is not produced by Jay Dilla, but the vibe is still the same nonetheless. Mm. Just sample-based hip-hop at its best. Uh, yeah. You're Those playing a lot of good music today. Hey, you know. Hey. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, I don't know what I'm gonna say. You gotta City like good music. Miles is a plus, guys. You guys should, yep. everybody should get Not just for the farts. Have Miles. Uh, no, that is <laughs> specifically not a That's play. bonus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for today. We will be back tomorrow because it is a daily podcast, and we will talk to you then. Bye. Shout to my nigga Kill Again and all of my peeps that rap more D than 12 M&Ms. Who let the dogs out and let Killer in? Fuck with this, this is your lost Killer again. Sound similar, I'm not feeling them. Get the ball like Venus and Wimbledon. While I'm in them fly with five willing them. On some Kim and them, all about the Benjamin. We still here, never left, just switch yeah. the style up. Came through, made moves, still get the crowd up. It's hard time, D time, nigga, your time's up. Get right up for the reunion. <laughs>